Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes a question can change everything. Maybe you've had it before, just to use an everyday example where you're, you're looking frantically all over the house for your keys and suddenly your spouse or one of your kids says to you, why are you looking for your keys over there when they're right here in the drawer or on the key hook where they belong? A question changes everything, doesn't it? Until you heard that question, you thought and you lived as if your keys were missing. You know, sometimes we can live that way in relation to Jesus. We know what the gospel says. We know, we know that the Bible tells us Jesus rose from the dead. But practically speaking, we can live as if he didn't. We can live as if Jesus is dead. When we refuse to believe in Jesus Christ, we're living as if he's dead. When we make our possessions, our our relationships, our, our work or our vacations as good as those things may be, but when we make, make those things at the source of our joy, of our, of our happiness, of our hope, we're living as if Jesus is dead. When we try to slog through the Christian life in our own strength, we're living as if Jesus is dead. When we go through life without praying, we're living as if Jesus is dead. When life is hard, and we start thinking that we may as well just give up, we're living as if Jesus is dead. And we hesitate to tell others about Jesus because we think it just won't work. We're living as if Jesus is dead. We can live as if Jesus is dead. We can be just like the woman in our passage in Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, as they they traveled to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. They also were living as if Jesus was dead. And who would blame them? They had known Jesus well. They, they had been with them way back when he was still in Galilee. He had healed some of them uh, from evil spirits and, and other infirmities. Mary Magdalene, we, we read that the Lord Jesus cast seven demons out of her. They loved him. They had followed him. They, they had served him. But, but it had all come to a sudden end. He had been betrayed, arrested, crucified and they had watched him die on the cross they had grieved they had grieved as they they watched Joseph of Arimathea taking down his body from from the cross and wrapping it in linen they had grieved as they followed Joseph and as they they observed the tomb and, and watched how the body of Jesus was laid in it Jesus Their beloved Jesus, their master, was dead. All they could do was return to the city and quickly prepare some perfumes and spices to anoint his body, to pay their their last respects. But there was no time to go back to the tomb because the Sabbath was beginning. And so after they had prepared those perfumes and spices, they waited. Verse 56 tells us that they, of Luke 23, tells us that they rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. 
But as soon as the Sabbath was over, very early the next morning, they went to the tomb to anoint the body, to pay their respects to their dead master, the one who had taught and had helped them so much. They lived as if Jesus was dead. But a question changed everything. The question that the angels asked the woman in the second half of verse 5, why seek ye the living among the dead? Isn't that such a wonderful gospel question? It changed everything for the woman. It gave them hope. It gave them joy. It gave them confidence. And beloved, it should change everything for us. Because it means, it means, that question means Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. And that calls and encourages us all then to trust Him and to depend on Him and to have confidence in Him for salvation and for all of life, no matter what. And so with God's help, we want to look at this question in our text, Luke 24, verse 5, the second half, also in light of the whole passage, under the theme, the angel's gospel question at the empty tomb. First, we'll consider the revelation in this question Secondly, the reassurance with this question. And thirdly, the response to this question. So first, the revelation in this question. Look at the question again. Why seek ye the living among the dead? What is that question saying? What is it saying about Jesus? It's saying, it's revealing that Jesus is the living one. He's not dead. He's alive and he's alive and well. What a revelation. For one thing, it's, it's such a hope-giving revelation. These poor women's hearts were, were broken with grief and sorrow. Just two days earlier, they had been traumatized as they watched Jesus dying on the cross. And now early on the first day of the week, they had come to the tomb with those broken hearts, hearts still full of love to Jesus and they had come to finish the burial process. Let's try to imagine the scene with me for a moment, as Luke describes it in verse 1 to 4. It's very early on a Sunday morning, still dark, but these women, these women are up already and about, and they, they take the spices and the perfumes that they had prepared, they take them with them, and they make their way to the tomb, the tomb of Jesus. They knew exactly where it was because they, they, they had seen Joseph laying Jesus' body there, it, Two days earlier, on the evening of Good Friday. But there's a problem. We, we, we read of that in the other Gospels. As they went on their way, they, they wondered, well, what will we do about the stone? There, there was a large round stone in, in front of the tomb that acted as the door. How are they going to move it? It's too big for them to move. How will they be able to get into the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus? Well, verse 2 tells us that, that as they got closer to the tomb, they, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Hurled away, really. What, what a surprise. But, but Luke doesn't dwell on that so much. He, he points out that when they enter into the tomb, they, they get an even greater surprise. They get a shock. The body of the Lord Jesus is gone. They couldn't find it. Verse 4 tells us their response. They were much perplexed. They were, they were totally confused. They were at a loss. What in the world is going on? And then suddenly two men, two men stand by them, beside them. And they're not ordinary men, are they, children? How do we know that? We know that because, because what, does, 
What does Luke say these two men are wearing? At the end of verse 4, he says they're wearing shining garments. And that word shining, Luke or Jesus uses it elsewhere to, to talk about lightning flashing from one end of heaven to the other. That's how bright these men appeared. These aren't ordinary men. These are angels, messengers of God. No wonder, as, as Luke tells us in verse 5, the woman, the poor woman, so brokenhearted, so surprised, so confused, are, are also now afraid, and they bow down their faces to the earth. This poor woman, brokenhearted, traumatized, shocked, perplexed, and now terrified. But the angels, the angels didn't come to scare these women. They came, yes, they were sent by God to speak to them and to give them hope. That's what they are doing when they ask this question, why seek ye the living among the dead? They are giving, they are restoring hope. They're telling them the one you are seeking, the one you love, the one you think is dead is the living one. He's alive. The revelation in their question gives it, it offers hope to these these broken, struggling, confused, helpless woman whose faith was so weak. And beloved, so it also offers hope to us. Jesus is not dead. He is not dead. He is alive, alive, alive forevermore. He is risen from the dead in his physical body. He has conquered death. And that means there's hope for the hopeless. There's hope for you when your heart is broken. There's hope for you when you've experienced trauma. There's hope when you feel totally confused. There's hope for you when temptation seems so overwhelming. There's hope when when your life is hard. There's hope when you're facing sickness and death. Yes, there's hope, even when your sins seem too many and too strong and too great to be forgiven and conquered. There's hope looking to Jesus because he is the living one. He was dead, but behold, he is alive forevermore. That's why we can sing. That's why we sing with hope and with confidence and joy from sin and evil. Mighty though they seem, his arm almighty Will his saints redeem? It's because Jesus is alive. He's the living one. That's the revelation in the angel's question. And it, it gives so much hope. It, it restores hope. But, but it's, also, it's also a humbling revelation, isn't it? The angels ask, why, why seek ye the living among the dead? It gives hope, but it, but it also humbles them, doesn't it? Since Jesus is the living one, what are they doing here? What are they doing at the tomb? Why are they looking for him in the grave? Why are they looking for him among the dead? Tombs and graves are for dead people, not living ones. You see the question tenderly, it gently exposes the woman's wrong assumptions, their wrong thinking about Jesus. They they didn't think Jesus would rise from the dead. Even though, as the angels go on to say, even though he told them he would, he had even told them when, the third day, the very day they were there. But they didn't remember that. They thought Jesus had lost. They thought death had conquered him. They thought the grave was too strong for him. 
the revelation in this question that Jesus is the living one exposed their low thoughts of Jesus. Let's not judge these women. Don't we sometimes have low thoughts of Jesus too? Don't we sometimes, maybe we don't realize it, but doesn't the way we live at times show that we think of him like like these women at the tomb as a dead savior? Is that perhaps why we try to conquer sin on our own sometimes instead of on our knees? Is that perhaps why when, when life falls apart, we fall apart? Is that perhaps why we struggle to come frequently and boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? Could it be, could it be that our thoughts of Jesus are too low? We might confess to believe with our mouths that, that Jesus rose on the third day, but, but is perhaps that truth, that revelation, more humbling to us than we would like to admit? The revelation in this question was a humbling revelation for the woman, but, but it was also such a gracious revelation. Listen to what commentator Phil Riken says about this passage. I quote, God knew, God knew that the woman would be in the wrong place on the first Easter morning, looking for the living among the dead. And so what did he do? Did he say, well, that's enough. I'm not dealing with these women anymore? No, He graciously sent messengers to tell them the good news of the gospel. Even though the woman should have known better, he sent messengers to meet them and to bring them the good news that Jesus is alive. And so he also does for us through his word. Also this morning, maybe maybe as you look at your life over the past while, you, you have to admit your thoughts of Jesus haven't been very high lately. Maybe you have to admit you've been looking for Jesus like these women in the wrong places. You've been living as, as if Jesus is dead. Or, or, or maybe you haven't, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't even been looking for Jesus at all. But still God, in His marvelous grace, has come to you and to me through his word, to tell us, to reveal to us that Jesus, his own dear son, who died on the cross for sinners, is alive. He has conquered sin and death, and he is therefore the only and the almighty and the all-sufficient Savior of sinners. And, And that through him, through him, that's the message of the resurrection. There is complete forgiveness of all of our sins. Yes, even of all, even of all of our low thoughts of Jesus. You can trust in him. You can depend on him. You can have confidence in him for all your salvation and for all of life. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the helper of the helpless. Yes, he is the refuge for all who are oppressed. Because he is alive. He is the living one. Isn't that such a wonderful gospel revelation? But maybe you say, it sounds so good, but I, but I struggle so often to believe that the Lord Jesus really will save me, that, that he will really help me in whatever need, I, need I'm in. Maybe, maybe you are in the midst of a trial in your life this, this morning, and you're struggling to have hope. You're struggling to find help. If you're honest, Jesus doesn't just 
He just doesn't seem very alive at the moment. Well, the women in their shock and surprise may well have struggled with the same thing. After all, the tomb was empty, sure, but, but there was no Jesus yet. How could they know he was alive? That brings us to our second point, the reassurance with this question. We see this in <clears throat> verses 6 and 7. Right after asking the question, why seek ye the living among the dead? The angels continue in verse 6, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. What are the angels doing here in these verses, congregation? They're, they're making it absolutely clear, aren't they? They're reassuring the woman that Jesus really is risen. They make a clear declaration. He is not here, but is risen. He's not here. Well, you say that's obvious, isn't it? Yes, but the angels state the obvious to emphasize, to highlight their point. He's not here, but is risen. You know, we do this, this kind of thing in, in normal life too. You know, think of, think of maybe for example, you, you are looking in the fridge for some cookies, something to eat. You can't find them. And maybe your mom sees you looking and, and because she knows you, she knows what you're looking for, she tells you they're not in the fridge, they're on the counter. Now you already knew the cookies weren't in the fridge. But your mom states the obvious. She tells you they're not in the fridge to make her point crystal clear. They're on the counter. And that's a little bit like what the angels are, are, are doing. They state the obvious to make their point crystal clear, to reassure the woman and us that the Lord Jesus, though he was dead, has now risen from the dead. He is not here. But the very opposite is true. He is risen. It couldn't be clearer. The angel's declaration left no room for any other option. They did not say he is, he is not here, he is, he's in the tomb over there. They did not say he is not here, that the disciples came and took him. They did not say, these messengers of God, that he's not here, he just had, had fainted from all the pain on the cross and woke up a couple of hours ago. No. The angels, the men in shining garments, the messengers of God, the God who cannot lie, declared, He is not here, but is risen. Jesus, the living one, has risen from the dead. It wasn't possible for the grave, for death, to hold Him. He really is alive. We have it on God's own words, spoken by these angels. And so what, how should that change? Well, that should encourage us, shouldn't it? It should call us, it does call us to live looking to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, even in times when you can't see Him, even in times when you can't feel Him. He's alive. He's not in a grave. He's not in a tomb. He is risen, really, truly, physically risen from the dead. That means God has accepted Him. He's accepted His Son's sacrifice for sin. And that means that Jesus can save you. And it means that when you look to him, he will save you. And he does save you. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Because he was delivered up for our offenses. And he was raised for our justification. 
he is risen. And that means he also will help you. He also will help you even in the middle of your trouble, in your trials, because he helps all who look to him. It might not be in the way you want. It might not be in the way you expect, the way you hope, but he will help you in his way. And his way, congregation, is always good, and it will always turn out for your good, even if we can't see it at the moment. But it just, it just seems so unreal. He, he seems so unreal. Like he's not even there. Like he's, well, dead. Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe that's how you feel. And that's probably how the woman felt too. Maybe, maybe even after the angels reassured them with that clear declaration, he is not here but is risen, it, it probably felt so unreal. They hadn't yet seen him, just like we haven't yet seen Jesus. But do you know what the angels did next to help, to help the woman believe, to reassure them? They gave them a firm basis, a firm basis for their faith, for their belief that Jesus is risen. They pointed them to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. Remember how he spoke when he was yet in Galilee. And then they go on to remind them, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. The angels pointed them back to the words of Jesus. The words he had spoken before in Galilee, they reminded them that he had foretold all these things, the things that had just happened to him in the last few days. They were things that had to happen, that must happen as part of God's plan of salvation. None of the disciples, including the woman in our text, understood, understood what Jesus was talking about at the time. It had gone, as, as it were, in one ear and out the other. Sometimes it happens in church too, you know. But now the angels remind them of those words to show them, to show them how it all happened as he had said. He had foretold it. The point is, congregation, they directed the woman not to their feelings, away from their feelings, away from their experiences, away from what they were seeing. And they pointed them to Jesus' word as the basis for their faith that Jesus is the living one, that he is risen from the dead. And so, congregation, also the Lord's word is the basis, it's the foundation for our own knowledge and assurance that Jesus is alive. It's the word. We can know he's alive. We can know he lives. We can know he's risen from the dead, not because we feel it, because our feelings change, but because of his word, his faithful, reassuring, unchangeable word. What a blessing to have the Word. What a blessing to get to hear the Word. What a blessing to get to know the Word. Do you love the Word? Oh, that's how we should, how we should love it. It's our anchor, you see. It's our anchor when we're struggling with doubt or when life is falling apart and we feel like giving up. It's the Lord's Word that is our anchor. The word that reassures us that Jesus is not in the grave. He is not dead. He has risen from the dead, just as he said. 
It's, it's the word that encourages you through that revelation, through that gospel news that, that you can trust him. You can trust him to save you. You can trust him in your circumstances. You can have confidence in him to help you and to sanctify you no matter what because it reveals to us and reassures us, this word does, that Jesus is risen. He's alive. He is the living Savior. And you can sing as we sometimes do in in Psalter 92 based on Psalm 35. Amid the conflict, O my Lord, Thy precious promise let me hear. The faithful, reassuring word. I am thy Savior. Do not fear. Because he is risen. Do you see with me how the angels question? Their question at the empty tomb. Why seek ye the living among the dead? It's such a gospel question. It contains a gospel revelation. Jesus is alive. It comes with a gospel reassurance confirming that he is not in the grave, but he is risen according to his word. And notice thirdly and lastly then the response to this question. We see this in verses 8 through 11. After the angels call the woman to remember Jesus' words foretelling his suffering and death and resurrection, we're we're told in verse 8 that they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. The women responded. They responded to the, to the question of the angels. They didn't stay in the tomb, did they? Looking for the body. They responded. They responded in faith. Faith in the words of the Lord, the words spoken through the angels, but most of all, the words spoken by his Son. They remembered his words, the Lord's words, his words about his resurrection. And and what did they do? They stopped looking around the empty tomb for the body of Jesus, wondering where it had gone. They remembered his words and they returned from the sepulcher, from the tomb, and told all these things. Congregation that tells us they believed. You may even mix as some of the other gospel accounts, they, they, they left in fear, they were afraid. It may have been mixed with fear, but there was faith there. They believed the words they heard. The Lord in his grace brought back his words with power to their memory, words that they had forgotten, but now they remembered them and they believed. Maybe you've come to church this morning. Maybe you are a visitor. You haven't been to church in a while. Or or maybe you come every service. But up till now, maybe it's never really meant anything to you. You've been living as if Jesus really is dead. But now this morning you may hear the faithful, unchangeable word of the Lord. Jesus is not among the dead. He is the living one. He's not in the tomb, but he is risen. He was dead, and behold, he is alive forevermore. And therefore, he has power to save you and to help you. Do you see how, how this question, the gospel question here, is meant to change everything? It's meant to make us put our trust and our confidence in him, to rely on him in all of our life, also in living as we live in service to him. We can't do it on our own. But we can strengthen in the power of the risen Lord Jesus. 
Won't you stop living then as if Jesus is dead? Or will you be like the apostles in verse 11 when the women came and, and told them what they had seen and heard? Will, will you just look at it as idle tales, as, as, as nonsense and refuse to believe it? But you know, even they eventually believed. And surely you should believe too. Surely you should trust in Him and depend on Him and put your confidence in Him because He is risen. He is risen indeed. The woman responded in faith. And they responded, they responded by spreading the word. By telling others that Jesus is risen. And that therefore, He, the living one, the life Himself, is the great Savior of sinners. You know, that's what happens. That's what happens when you realize that Jesus is alive. Isn't it? You want to tell others too? You want others to know? You want others to know that he is risen and that he is willing and he is able to save sinners and to be their savior through all of life? We have heard the word of the Lord that Jesus is risen. Let's not just believe it for ourselves. Let's proclaim it with joy and with confidence to others. Yes, also you children and young people, as you, as you sing for us this, in a few moments and you tell us again about the death and resurrection of Jesus, you can know because of God's word, you can know that Jesus really is alive and therefore you can sing it with joy and, and, and with gladness in your soul. And you want us all to know, right? You want us all to know. May the Lord help you to sing that way. And to, to tell us, again, the good news of the gospel. Because he is alive, and he is pleased to use his gospel, the news of his death and resurrection, to draw people to himself, and to work, and to strengthen faith. Why seek ye the living among the dead? That question changed everything for the woman, because it revealed and reassured them of the gospel truth that Jesus is risen from the dead. But the question also now comes to us. Why seek ye the living among the dead? How has that question, how does that question change everything for you? May the Lord use it so that we, we respond in faith in the risen Jesus and spread the word in glory and praise to him. Yes, may it change the way we live. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what a simple message the gospel is. That Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men and was crucified, and the third day rose from the dead. It's a simple message. But Lord, in the hands of Jesus, through the Spirit, it is the power of God unto salvation. And we pray, Father, that you would make it so among us also this morning, with each one here, you would use the gospel as you have promised to use it 
as it is proclaimed in all of its simplicity and in weakness, humanly speaking, that you would use it to save sinners and to sanctify your people, to encourage and strengthen your people as you did for those women who loved you. You guided them and you came to them in grace and reminded them there is hope. You can have confidence in Jesus. You don't need to give up because Jesus is alive. Lord, we give thanks for this word and this time together this morning. We pray also in thanksgiving for the, the birth of a healthy baby girl to Peter and Joyce Van Giesen. We pray that you would bless both the little girl and, and the mother and father as well. Lord, we pray that you will go with us now and keep us in your care. Bless also our time of hearing and listening to the children tell us and sing to us about the gospel. We pray this all in Jesus' name alone, in the forgiveness of every sin. Amen.